Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Any compulsion nuts among us today? I wonder, in all seriousness though, when's the last time we've been compelled to do something? The last time we couldn't not do something. The, 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 we were compelled in such a, such a strong way that we had to, had to move, had to react, had to respond. Uh, when God speaks to us, when his voice calls our name and, and has design and plan and purpose and direction and or answers for us, we ought to be compelled to, to see it, to hear it, to recognize it, and then to respond to it. Turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter 12. We looked last week at Adam and Eve in the garden, hearing the voice of God and, and their response. And I'm uh, going to look today at just a few chapters over of God speaking to Abram uh, and his call to him to get up and move and to build a nation through him. So uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. That's where we want to focus our attention today. Verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from, from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had, had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Four things today I want to see from these few verses. The first of which is this. When the, God speaks, the voice of God compels us to move. God's voice compels us to move. Look at verse 1 again. He says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you. Leave your country and go to the land I'll show you. Any, any takers on this offer of uprooting and take all you and yours going someplace else? You don't even know where, it's, where, it's, where you're headed yet. Uh, I didn't think so. Um, I believe, though, that part of Abraham's, or Abram's willingness to do this was the fact that he had moved before. He moved from, from Ur, where, where he was born, to Haran, where he was living at that point. So, there, and he was, and in fact, culture at that time was very nomadic. It was, uh, it was, there, it was very much a Bedouin kind of lifestyle. Now, that's not to say that there wasn't some permanence and folks built permanent homes. There was, but but that kind of movement wasn't that unusual because he had already done it. The, the point of that is I'm trying to make is this, is that the more loosely we hold on to places and the more loosely we hold on to things, the easier it is for us to let go of them. The, the, the more tight we hold on to places and things, the harder it is to let go of them. So <clears throat> the leading part was much easier, I think, for Abram than to go to the land that I'm going to show you, than the unknown part. The getting up and carting off part, I think, was, was the easy part. The, the unknown part was the part that was probably more difficult. But consider with me that there were, all, in all likelihood, especially in Jewish culture, there were stories going back to, to, to the flood 
and, and likely going all, way, all the way back to the garden that had been passed down through the ancestors. We, you can see the, the lineage of Abraham or Abram in these previous chapters. But there, there were likely stories, of, as, as I say, the flood, the garden, and the Babel uh, that you just read about in the previous chapter. And these kind of stories have a way of solidifying in us God is at work, God is with us, God is for us. And so the, the fact that he was open to a mood and the fact that he, he didn't know where he was going but had to trust God, he trusted him based on the fact that God spoke and he responded. Now this was very unceremonious, I think, speaking of the voice of God. In fact, most if not all the times God spoke in the Old Testament, it was an audible voice because there was no presence of the Spirit. There was no written word at the point Abram is alive. So in all likelihood, this is the audible voice of God speaking to him. Think of how you, you would respond to that. But it is, as we see in this text, wasn't a lot of hoopla. Abram didn't, didn't fall off in, in disbelief or wasn't wowed or didn't, didn't run or, or run, try to run away or was afraid or scared. So we see here that, 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 that God speaking to Abram was probably a natural thing, that, that Abram, Abram's walk with God was close enough to where when God spoke, he clearly recognized his voice. Uh, what I want us to see, though, is that here in, in this first point is that God's history with him and with, with, with his ancestors, uh, in essence, the markers. I talk a lot about markers. God shows up in your life to, to do things, to open doors, to reveal himself to you, to reveal his plan for you, his will for you, uh, open a door or a window for you that you'll see his, his hand at work. Those are markers. And so the more markers we have in our life, the easier it is for us to trace God's hand and find his hand at work in our life and through our circumstances. That was the case for Abram. His, the, these stories, the history that he had uh, through, through the lineage uh, before him was that there were markers in place. So you put, you put the markers in, in touch with, in correlation with the, with the voice of God and the history of God, and Abram was ready to move. He he, uh, ready to pack up everything and go. Question is, is that enough for you? Is it enough for you to hear God's voice, either through his word or by way of his spirit, and see his hand in the markers that are in your past? Is that enough for you to move? If God wanted you to, to do something drastic today, either to, to, to move your physical location of where you live or where you work or uh, uh, away from your family, what have you, just as he, as he was doing here with Abram, is that enough for you? Is the history or the markers that are there and the clear voice of God through his word and through his spirit enough to move you? The second question that has to follow that is, how long has it been since, since there's been any, any movement of any kind in your life and in your walk? Since you've heard, heard the voice of God speak or saw his hand at work and went after it, wanted to follow it to the extent that you moved away from the known, the comfortable for you. But the voice of God compels us to move. Secondly, the voice of God compels us to believe his promises. To believe his promises. Look at two and three with me. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be, will be blessed through you. I'll make you a great nation, God says here, and I'll bless you. Now, this is true for all of us, but especially true for men and, and for males. And that's this. Nobody wants to be a nobody. None of us want to be a nobody. But that's especially true for men. In fact, <clears throat> there is in most males, I see it in, in my grandson Henry, I'm starting to see it even in my, in my youngest grandson Cole, is that there's a competitive, there's a I want to win 
drive within most males. That is, whatever you do, I want to do something better. I want to trump whatever you've done. There, there's, and, and, there, and there's some of that in females too, don't get me wrong, but th there's a stronger drive, I think, in males that nobody wants to be a nobody. And the fact that I think that God speaks to Abram in this way to say, I'm going to make you a great nation from your seed is going to come forth a great nation. Uh, when, when God makes these, these promises to, to Abram, Abram about a great nation, I think he's, he's, he's addressing a, a basic desire that's born in every man to, to be known. Um, in fact, I found this to be true in my walk with me and with most males that I know, most people that I know, and that's this is that God gives us a little bit of what we want, a little, a little taste of what we want in order to give us a whole table full, a whole, a whole smorgasbord of what we need. He lets us see and experience a little bit of what we want so that we in turn will follow after that, believing that he knows what we want, what we need, and will give us a lot of what we need, having digested already a little bit of what we want. I think that's part of what he does with Abram here is to, to, to give him enough vision to see, I've got you and I'm going to turn you into a great nation. You're, you're, you're going to be a person of prominence. Uh, so he, he exercises that in Abram so that Abram will in turn walk in faith. He meets both the personal need that each of us have, and that is the need for legacy, the need for our life to matter, the need for our life to, to, have measured, uh, to be measured in some way. And he also uh, meets the need for a divine nation to be born from which Messiah would come. So there's a twofold purpose here. He doesn't, he doesn't spell all that out for Abram. All he tells him is, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Doesn't say anything about Messiah. I'll make, make a great nation out of you. Walk in the promise of this, and you'll experience my blessing. In fact, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. You're going to be a blessing as an individual and as a nation I create, I'm creating for you and out of you. And though Abram, Abram didn't have the full, full picture yet, he had enough history, he had enough markers, had enough stories, had enough evidence to believe that what God was promising him would be true. He couldn't have seen that. He couldn't have seen what, what you are seeing today in God's hand on, <clears throat> the growth of, <clears throat> the protection of the nation of Israel when God called Abram. There's no way in the world he could have seen that, but Abram knew that God was good for it, whatever the promise was. And so he moves on the promise that God gives him initially uh, to believe. Thirdly, God's voice compels us to move. It compels us to believe his promises. But thirdly, God's voice compels us to trust his vision. It compels us to trust his vision. Look at verse 4 again. He says, So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He left just as the Lord had told him. So this verse tells us that Abram was 75 years old, so he undoubtedly had some roots established here, not just in terms of, of chronology, but <clears throat> genealogy. His his roots were several generations deep. If he was 75 years old uh, in, in Haran, and he had lived there for a season, I'm sure. So there were some roots established uh, that weren't just several years old, but several generations old. Uh, it takes a while for a person to get established in a job, in a marriage, in a friendship, in a relationship. That, that, that has to come with mileage, that, that, that sense of establishment, that sense of, of, of arrival to, to a certain extent, to a certain level has to come with, with enough mileage. And so that's something that most of us aren't crazy about walking away from when we've taken the time to establish that, the time to, to build roots, to make an investment uh, into, into who we are. And it's hard to leave the known. It's hard to walk away from that investment. It's hard to walk away 
from what is normal, what is comfortable, what, 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 what we've seen and experienced so far. But the most pivotal word in, the, in verse 4 is the first word. It says, so, meaning God spoke, so, in essence, God spoke, Abraham had to respond. God spoke, so Abraham, or Abraham moved on, on, the, on this call of God, on, on the calling out of his life and of, of his being blessed to, be, to become a nation. So God spoke, so Abraham left, in essence. He didn't do a poll, didn't, didn't, didn't gather consensus, didn't throw a, a thumb up in there. Anybody else for this? God spoke, so Abraham moved on the, on the, on the spoken voice of God. It, this kind of thing happens because of trust. That, that God's trust, that, that God's vision for me is bigger than my own. Abram had to have that kind of trust. That God could see further than he could see down the road. That God's vision for him and for his offspring was bigger than Abram could ever see. Uh, and those, those kind of markers, as I said, it goes back to Eden, goes back to the flood, goes back to, to the language confusion at Babel. God, he had already seen God show up in a number of ways. As I said, those markers were significant enough in Abraham's mind for this decision to be made, not based on what is easier, what is known, or what is comfortable, but based on the vision that God can see further than I can. So God's voice compels us to move. It compels us to believe his promises. It compels us to trust his vision. But God's voice also and finally compels us to compel others. It compels us to compel others. Look at verse 5. It says in verse 5 that he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. All the people they required in Haran. Now, chapter 14 tells us that <clears throat> that people he had acquired were, was, was over 300 men. So, in all likelihood, counting in women and children, there's probably between six and 700 folks that are in his entourage that are that are part of his family or extended family or servants or what have you all of them every one of them looking to abram for uh and, and he himself looking to god but them looking to him for, for provision for protection for the sense of promise coming true and we learn from from verse five that somewhere along the journey god told abram that he was headed for canaan because that's where that's where MapQuest tells him he, that he's arrived he gets it gets on this journey and he finds his arrival point at the end of verse 5. So he's, he's arrived at his destination. Abram was able to, to compel a likely grumbling crowd of followers and family and extended family. Uh, he was able to, to, to lead them to where they needed to go. Uh, anybody ever travel with a bunch of folks, with extended family, large family? Isn't that just a huge blessing? I, I say in just, um, if you travel with kids, and we did for a number of years, you're, you're, you know, an hour away from the house on a five-hour journey, and how much longer? In fact, from our back seat, Hannah and her sister, Kenzie, would, would, would come. When will we be? L is the, one of the hardest l sounds for a kid to make. It's one of the last consonant sounds they make. And so it wasn't a, when will we be there? It's when we, we. When will we be there? Yeah. And the answer out of the back seat was? When we get there. When we get there. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it is fun to travel with people. But 
It can be when you're the leader, when you're the driver, when you're the one navigating the way. It can be kind of a, will you just trust me? <laughs> will you just trust me that I know where I'm going and that I know how to get there? And I, 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 get, I get Abram being probably in that vein of leading people that they don't know where they're going, they don't know the process, and, and, and probably I'm not sure that he's even shared with them the promise at this point that a great nation is going to grow out of them. The scripture doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us he did or didn't. But you can, you can imagine some of the angst and some of the questions and some of the lack of trust that's probably unfolding and un unraveling the further they go. Uh, so I want to ask you, when was the last time you ever allowed yourself to be compelled, to be convinced, to be influenced by someone else to do something you wouldn't have otherwise done? When's the last time that's occurred for you? When's the last time, the deeper question is, when's the last time you've done that by, from God? When's the last time he has compelled you and he's given you a sense of urgency that you had enough courage and vision to move on even when you didn't know what the outcome, what was around the next corner. You just knew that he was in it. You didn't have all the, all the, all the details filled in. And here's, I want to share with you an interesting twist in this story. Turn back to chapter 11. <coughs> and look with me at verse 31. Terah, who's the father of Abraham, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out, watch this, from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So God had already called Abram's dad to, to go to Canaan. Why didn't, he, why didn't he go? Look at the last sentence of verse 31. Because when they came to Haran, they settled there. I want to ask a couple of questions as we wrap. First one is this. What have you settled for in your life instead of allowing yourself to be compelled by God? Where have you found yourself at a place of comfort and settledness and satisfaction? What have you settled for that you've not allowed God in turn to compel you to move beyond that place of settling, that place of comfort, that place of the known? Have you settled for mediocre, for the mundane, for just good enough, for less than, for the same old, same old? Are you settling for those kinds of things as opposed to listening and hearing the voice of God, recognizing it, and moving on it to where you see his hand at work ahead of you and before you? Second question I want to ask as we close is, is this. Is, are you living a compelling life? You see, it, it just wasn't the, Lord, the, the voice of God that compelled Abram. It was Abram that compelled his family and his friends and his servants and all that were around him. God gave him a compelling message, but it also compelled him to be a compelling person. I wonder, I wonder if you are living a compelling life. Can I share with you how to measure that? If there are those around you, family, friends, people you work with, if there are those around you that are wondering what's next, where, you're, where, where, we're headed, where, where we're headed, what's next, and how do we get there? If there are those around you that are asking those kind of questions, you're probably living a compelling life. If those kind of questions never come, you probably aren't. If the, if the questions never come of what's next, or what could God be up to? Is, is God in this? You think he's in that? If those kind of questions aren't finding their way into your walk, you're probably not living a very compelling life. If they are, there's something in you that folks want some answers about. There's something in you that they desire to follow along after. There's enough influence in your, in your walk and in your world and in your witness 
to compel them to ask, what's driving you? What's moving you in that direction? I want to understand that. If those kind of questions aren't coming, I want to urge you to start to listen to the voice of God. Stick your nose in this book. Listen to the leadership of His Spirit and start to live a compelling life based on what a compelling God has compelled you to do. His voice is speaking. Are we listening? And are we listening in a way that compels us to move? God spoke, so Abraham moved. There needs to be some so in our life. When he speaks, we need to, we need to, there needs to be some, some response to his voice and his word. Is that true of us? What well, it needs to be. We need to live compelling lives. In, in, in as dark a culture as you and I are walking in, we need to live some compelling, some, some, some compelling influential lives. Let's pray. Father, today, would you teach us to recognize, listen for, anticipate even, a compelling voice. And not only would we hear it, but would we be awed by it, awed that you would take the time to speak to little us. But you, do, you are and you do every day by way of your word and by way of your spirit. You've given us the last great revelation. We're not going to hear an audible voice from God until you come again to break the clouds. But we, we have your voice, in, uh, your voice in your word and in your spirit in our hearts. So would we learn to listen to, to your, your hand, see your hand at work, listen to your voice in us so that you can walk through us to live and walk out a compelling life, urged by compelling God, what he's compelled us to do. You reminded us last week of what the consequences are of getting out of, out of your will, out of your plan, out of your divine design. Your voice reminds us and compels us to follow your leadership, to trust you, to move out of the known from time to time, to move out of what's convenient, out of what's comfortable from time to time, and to follow your hand, to move where you're at work. Give us the faith that you gave Abram to move without all, without all the details filled in, without, without having to know the, end, the total end outcome of how everything's going to work out. That's on you. Give us the courage to move just on your voice and just on the mileage of the markers of what you've done in us and around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.